Welcome to Keep Calm and Homeschool On. I'm your host, Rebecca, from homeschoolon.com, homeschool mom of five young children who was homeschooled myself. I've basically grown up living and breathing homeschooling. So today's episode is all about when they don't want to do school. They just don't want to. They're whining, they're crying, they're fussing, they hate it, and you are left feeling like you must be doing something terribly wrong because homeschooling is supposed to be great and no matter what you try, your kids are uninterested. So today's episode, if you are dealing with any of that, is for you. So today you might need a little more than coffee. I don't know what you got, but you know, dig out the chocolate or the candy for this one because you may need some sugar. So this podcast episode is for a very specific type of person, and I'm going to give you some keywords to help you identify if this relates to you or if you just want to move on, because I don't want to waste your time because you're busy. I mean, goodness knows that homeschool moms are way too busy to be sitting and listening to something that's not dramatically going to affect, help them, or change something. Otherwise, move along. So today, the kind of person that we're talking about, the child specifically that we are talking about to help you identify this, is the child that is whining, crying. I'm talking like the the kind of flop to the floor, you know, they kind of like droop their knees and they throw their shoulders down, they just slump and they just, they, they, their face just like turns down and there's tears welling in their eyes. It's like, it's time for school, you say, as excitedly as you can. And they just, I don't want to. Do we have to do school? That is who I'm talking about. I feel like you should hear it in the voice. I'm talking about the kid that when you're sitting and you're doing math with them and they're doing okay and then they start like twisting their hair and then they start, you know, getting, uh, uh, and then all of a sudden they're crying because they're overwhelmed. Okay. That is the child that I'm talking about. I'm talking about the child who's crying. I'm talking about the child who's whining. I'm talking about the child who's staring into space and not listening to anything that you are saying, who's jumping around and not paying attention to the lesson and cannot reiterate anything to you that you have taught them. These are the kind of children that I'm talking to you about today. The kids that when you say, wasn't school fun? They're like, no, school's boring. I don't like school. Do we have to do it? Why do we have to do school? Why, 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 why? Those are the children that we're just going to corral together and we're just going to say, this one's for the moms of them, okay? And I can pretty much guarantee that at some point in your homeschool, a little career or journey or whatever we want to call this thing of ours, I can pretty much guarantee that at some point you have or you will deal with this, this child, this symptom, this season that seems to kind of enter in. And I don't know how old your kids are, but man, you guys, does it ever enter in once they hit like this preteen age? It's like 11, 12, 13. There's something about these ages that all of a sudden they just are not super motivated. There's a lot of laziness. They want to do the absolute least amount of work that they can, just get it done. And they seem to put no effort in and they seem to be very easily overwhelmed. So regardless of whether you're dealing with young children or whether you're dealing with preteens, this is going to apply to all of you because this is something that happens and we need to talk about it. We need to talk about it and we need, I need, practical 
tips and strategies. I want somebody to say to me, I don't want to go and listen to an episode. I don't want to go and read a book. I don't want to read someone's blog post about this and just have them identify things and and say these like philosophical whatever mumbo jumbo that I can't apply. I mean, tell me, I want a lifeline. I want you to throw me a bone here because I'm starving. I'm like here in my house thinking I'm totally alone and like a, a wild animal just like hiding out of my room cowering because I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So, so what I want to give you today is real stuff. You guys, I want to give you that bone. I want to give you that lifeline. I want to give you something you can grab hold of and say, okay, well, I'm at least going to try that. I don't know if it's going to work for you, but at least it's something you can try because this season, although it is a common one, is definitely not a place you want to stay. You do not want to stay in a place where your kids are whining all the time. It's not a good place to be. It's not fun for them. It's not fun for you. You feel like it is a waste. You feel like you're failing your kids. So let's get you out of that and let's give you some strategies to help you move on. All right, so I don't even know. I, I did take a couple notes today, you guys. You'd be proud of me. The first thing isn't a tip, but we have to do this before we can identify, before we can deal with it, we first have to ask ourselves, why? Why? Why is my child whining? Why are they crying? Why are they fussing? Why are they not listening? What is happening in this moment with this particular child? You might have, like me, five children. And maybe all five of your kids are doing this at the same time. And so maybe the answer is different for every single child. Before you freak out, before you get frustrated, before you berate them, before you say, is anyone listening? Before you say, you can do this. Before you try to either encourage or fix the situation in any way, take a little break. Think of it like anger management. You might not even be angry, but there's something about that breath, that oxygen, that literally will give your brain insight. It gives you the time, but it also gives your brain oxygen to think about what is happening right now and what you can do about it. So first, you're just going to take a breath, like count to 10, you guys, just count to 10. Take a breath and say, why is this happening again? Okay. You don't have to like moan like me, okay? It doesn't have to get all creepy like that. But that's what you need to do. You need to ask yourself, why is this happening? Again, what is happening today, right now? Are they tired? Are they hungry? Do they want a snack? Did they get enough sleep last night? Um, are they overwhelmed with this subject? Are they always overwhelmed with the subject? Do we deal with this every time we do math? Why? Is it because math is not a good subject for them? Is it because they struggle? Is it because they're behind? Is it because it's the curriculum? Why are we dealing with this today, right now? When you say to your kids, "Are okay, we're going to do school and they melt down, why? What do they think you're going to do? Say to them, what do you think we're going to do right now? Ask them, what would you like to do? If we were going to do school, what would you like to do? If they don't want to do any of it, if there's nothing that appeals to them, why? Why is there nothing that appeals to them? Where are you hitting your head against the wall? Sometimes you'll find that there's those kids that just kind of are lazy and they would prefer to never do any work. Okay, they don't have a great strong work ethic built in yet. Typically, these are a little bit younger. Typically, these tend to be boys. I just, I mean, I've got three girls, two boys, and I know that all the time kids break the mold, but typically in my house anyways, specifically the child I'm thinking of that does this is my son. 
And he tends to just not be interested in any work or any sort of school because it's written. Anything written, he doesn't want to do. So it isn't a subject. It isn't a curriculum. It isn't that he hasn't eaten. It isn't that he doesn't have enough sleep. It's just that he doesn't want to. So for some of your kids, it is literally because they don't want to do the actual work. But once you sit down with them and you do it alongside them, all of a sudden they can kind of get into it. So for those kids, there's not necessarily a huge why. You know that it's a hump in their head they've got to get over. And that's just kind of a process. But for the rest of the kids, for the kids that it is a specific subject, a specific type of day, it's, it's, it's something in this moment you have to first identify what is that why. The second thing you need to do is stop. For goodness sake, stop. If they are crying, you need to stop. There is nothing happening in their minds other than emotions if they are weeping. They are not able to process or learn if they're at that point. They don't even have to be weeping. You can see them get overwhelmed. You can feel them. You can feel that overwhelm. You know when your child's about to cry. It's like, okay, it's coming. It's going to come. They're done. This is only going to escalate. When you're at that point, like, stop. There's no point continuing. I'm literally telling you this not to save your child, not to like protect your child. I'm literally telling you this because maybe like me, you don't like wasting your time. If wasting your time is a frustrating prospect, to you, then I'm telling you right now that stop for your own sake, stop because you're not going to get through what you're trying to get through their head. They might in that second, in that moment, but they're going to forget it five seconds later because they're fully just consumed with the emotions and the feelings that they're feeling at that time, which is most likely overwhelm. So there's nothing that can be accomplished. So it's first why, maybe it's that subject, maybe they, they, they need a break, they've been doing it too long, they're hungry, whatever. Then once you get to that point, if they are at that point, and I'm not talking just like a little bit of fussing, I'm talking like they're about to cry. That's the point you say, okay, we're done. And that's a great opportunity for you to send them outside, for you to say, okay, let's eat lunch. Totally detach from the learning that's happening. Take a little break. And while that break is happening, you can be assessing. You can be thinking about what are we doing? What are we hitting up against? Why is this becoming overwhelming? Is there something I can shift? If there's something I can do, and maybe there's not. Maybe the answer is literally they just need a break. But if they're coming to that point where they're about to cry, just please, please, please hear me when I say that you need need to stop for your own sake and for your child's sake. There's nothing beneficial moving forward in that state. There just isn't. And if you're hitting that state all the time, then you need to go back to step number one and you need to ask yourself, why? Why am I hitting this step all the time? Unless you're doing school at the same time every day where they're not getting lunch, maybe you need to bump lunch back. I don't know. But the point is that there's a good chance that there is a specific way, approach, um, problem there. Maybe it is the curriculum. Maybe it is that they're behind. They haven't mastered some of these concepts. And so it's becoming more and more challenging. They're not ready. Maybe you need to be moving back. Maybe you need to be reinforcing. So you have to start looking at that why and identifying it because you're never going to be able to move forward if you're continuously hitting the same wall. There's a wall there for a reason. Let's just take that wall down and then we can move forward. But you're not moving forward when you're hitting a wall every five steps. Yeah? Anyone? Okay. Next one. Wow, my writing's really small. I was like doing this minimalistic thing or something like that. Like can hardly read it. Um, Okay, number three. You cannot force learning or fun. (laughs) Man, that sucks. Why can't you force learning? 
Like, like here, I'm going to read you something and I'm going to get frustrated if you don't regurgitate it to me. Simple. I just forced learning. But here's the thing. That actually is the approach that most of us take. Most of us are like, no, listen, you will listen. And I'm going to ask you a question afterwards. And sometimes we do it frustrated. Okay. There's negative consequences. And other times we're like, I'm going to give you a sucker. If you can tell me the answer, positive consequences in both situations. If the child has not decided they want to learn, if the child is only doing it for the reward or in order to not receive the negative consequence, then all that just happened is they logged it in like that movie that I can never remember the name and I reference on here all the time about the emotions and the brain and the girl is animated anyway. And, and it's going to go to short-term memory and then it's going to die. It's going to just disappear into the dust of their brain and never be retained again because why? It means nothing to them. All it meant was I'm going to avoid that consequence or I'm going to get that sucker. Therefore, I got that sucker. I'm now gratified in that. And now that information has become meaningless to me. So can we actually force learning? Can we actually? Like, Seriously, you guys, think about this for a minute because you can nod with me. You can say, yeah, okay, you're right. Okay, that's a philosophical thing. You're telling me a philosophical thing here. You can't force education. The child has to choose to be educated, blah, blah, blah. But, but, but wait, wait, wait. Because if you don't actually ad- like adapt, if you don't actually take this, if you don't actually receive this and shift your own perspective to understand this for yourself, then you're not actually going to change because this hasn't even sunk in for you. So I'm not trying to force you to learn here, but I am saying, saying, take a second and and even identify for what I'm saying to you right now. I could talk to you till I am blue in the face, but if you have decided that I am not worthy of listening to you, then you are going to receive nothing from me. You could actually be listening and actually receive nothing. I mean, that's totally possible. We do it all the time. If, if somebody tells you to learn something, you might learn it for the sake of a test or for the sake of passing that course or getting your first aid or whatever. But, but are you going to remember that stuff unless it is something you were really interested in and passionate about and you chose that you wanted to learn about? We don't retain stuff, you guys, unless we are the ones instigating that, unless it means something to us. So how and why are we expecting that of our children? So not only can we not force education on our child, but we actually can't force fun. You can wake up and have the best attitude. You can say today, homeschooling is gonna rock. You can do all the right things. You can plan parties, have snacks, be organized. There's literally nothing. Your house is spotless and immaculate and you have field trips and it's glorious and you have the perfect day. And your kids can derail it. Why? Because you can't actually force them to have fun. You can create fun things and generally it works, especially for younger children, not as much for older children, but, but really they have to decide if they're going to participate in that, if they're going to embrace that, or if they're just going to mope. So when you're dealing with attitudes, when you're dealing with like preteen stuff, when you're dealing with a child who is grumpy, legitimately just grumpy, then you actually cannot force, you cannot force this fun learning environment. So what happens in this for you, for a second turn off that we're talking about your child and think about for yourself, because there's something that happens in here that actually it, it kind of builds into like a pimple, which is a terrible, I don't I think of the worst 
worst analogy sometimes. But just think of it like a pimple, okay? <laughs> I could have said volcano. Let's just go with it though. Okay, so it's just, it's building and it's building and it's building. So you wake up, you, you put everything into it. You try your very, very best. And no matter what you try, your child still is whining, crying, fussing, doesn't want to do school, hates it. Now, because the more you have put into it, the more painful it is. Oh, this, this is actually fitting with the pimple. <laughs> The more you put into it, the more, somebody needs to quote this. Maybe I should quote this in my little snippet. The more you put into it, the more painful it is. So why that is, is because you have invested now so much more of you and you feel rejected by your child. So now when you go to bed at night, you do feel like you are a failure. And it's not just because your child's whining and crying every single day. It's because you're actually doing everything within your power to create an environment. You're listening to all the right podcasts and, and reading all the right books. And you're, you are trying your best. And sometimes when it still doesn't work, you take that personally. And then it culminates more and more and more into this feeling of, of there's nothing I can do. I've tried it all. And we can talk about this with homeschooling or we can talk about this with your home. We can talk about this with just parenting in general because this happens. You start to take things personally. I don't know if you've ever watched Super Nanny or any of these other shows. And one of the things that they teach in these shows is that you don't take it personally. Kids are going to have bad days. They're going to have bad attitudes. You cannot take it personally. You just become very professional about it and you just say, okay, well, unfortunately that's unacceptable. Apparently I can't speak. And you just, you know, draw the line and, and love them. And you don't take that on yourself. But as homeschool moms, first of all, we are always in an environment with our kids. Always, always, always. Secondly, we have all the weight of being everything to them and it means a lot to us. It means a lot to us. And the more pressure and expectation we take on our shoulders, which I talked to you guys about a lot, then the more that we are carrying. And the more that we are carrying, the more that we care about homeschooling. So we care about it deeply passionately. Sometimes our own feeling of success and identity is built into this. If I'm not successful at homeschooling, then I am a failure. If I am not successful at this, my husband is going to judge me. If I am not successful at this, then my friends are going to judge me or they're going to say, I told you so. I am trying to prove myself through homeschooling. But the more you try to prove yourself through it, then the more you're putting into it that expectation that you're building, 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 building. And the more it hurts when your child, you take it personally when they have just a bad attitude or a bad day or they don't want to do it. So sometimes when you're dealing with bad attitudes, you guys, those have to be addressed, but you can't address it when you're coming from a place of hurt. You cannot. You're not going to be able to address that with a clean head when you are the one that is hurt. So before you do anything else, if you are feeling that way, then you have to start with yourself. You have to start with letting go of some of that stuff, some of that identity. You cannot base your identity in who you are as a homeschool mom. You are so much more than just a homeschool mom. You are so much more than a mom. You are so much more than a wife. You are your own unique, strong, um, beautiful, amazing woman. And right now, someone out there needs to hear this, that you have so much to offer, not just your kids and your husband and your friendships. You have so much to offer the world because of who you are, because of who you were created to be. So stop placing your identity in a homeschool mom because you're really limiting yourself. Who cares? Who cares if your, your kids get a 4.0 GPA and go and become a doctor? How does that reflect on you as a parent? It doesn't because you don't get to choose their interests, their passions. 
You don't get to choose what they're good at and what they're not good at. You don't get to decide those things. It's like being a parent and and parents do that all the time. They base their identity on their children. And so what happens when one of their children fails, oh, they got pregnant before or they they did this or they didn't go to college when I thought they'd go to college, they did this. They base their identity in their child and then they're like just broken vessels afterwards because they they feel like, oh, I failed. I failed. What did I even do in my life? Because they place their identity in that. Same thing with empty nesting. You place so much of your identity in your child, you as a mother, that when they're gone, you've got nothing left. You guys, stop placing your identity in your kids and in this whole homeschool thing because this is like a blip. It's a blip on the line. And and regardless of whether you homeschool all the way through or not, your kids, like you're going to have your kids forever. You're going to be a mom as long as you are on this earth. But you are not going to be a homeschool mom for that long. Even if you do it all the way through, this is a season and it too shall pass. So I'm totally gone on a tangent that has nothing to do with whiny kids, but seriously, (laughs) needed to be said, apparently. Okay, let's move on. (sighs) Overwhelm. Number four. Sometimes it is that they need help, not instructions. Okay, so I am talking about when your kids are that that moment of overwhelm, okay? I'm not talking about the bad attitudes. I am not talking about curriculum not working. I am talking about when they are just overwhelmed with life. They're overwhelmed with chores. They're overwhelmed with school. They're overwhelmed with work. I get this a lot with my preteeny son where he just gets incredibly overwhelmed. Now, while he's my oldest and he should be pretty much fully independent, in some ways he needs more and more and more of my help. And my help is not even that he needs my help as much as he needs me to cheer him on. He needs me to show him that this is not such a big deal. And when I do that with him, he actually enjoys it. It's shocking. Math, his worst subject. And yet when I do it with him, he'll say it's his favorite thing that he did that day. So it's actually not his worst subject. It's the fact that everything seems so overwhelming. He's at a point where he's trying to do the least. And that is just a natural stage that preteens go through. FYI, if you're not there yet, welcome. It's coming. So just so you know, but you know, like that's going to happen. So they get to a point where they just are giving you the least they possibly can because they don't care and they just want to get it over with and they're lazy. It's just, it's just preteens are a bit lazy in my opinion, but, and my experience because I was totally the same way. (laughs) So they're trying to do the least they possibly can. They're trying to get away with stuff. And so first of all, I'm not going to let him get away with stuff. But at the same time, I can recognize a stage that he's going through. I can recognize what's happening with him. And I can say, okay, I expect this, but I'm not just going to expect it and leave it with you. I'm going to say, okay, this isn't a big deal. You just do this and this will look like you're done. Like that was easy. Totally, totally, totally easy. Why aren't you doing this? Sometimes like even with like he's grade six, you guys, sometimes I sit down and I write it out. I said, okay, now what? Okay, now we do that. Okay, now what? Now we do that. There's no problem with that. He's still doing the math. He's still talking it through. It's just helping him, literally helping him, holding his hand. I'm going to use an analogy of something that many of you are probably familiar with, Brave Rider. 
Brave Writer is an amazing, phenomenal program that I talk about a lot and I love. And it's not just the program that I love, it's the philosophy, it's Julie, it's everything that she kind of stands for. And I think she really is very similar to me in, in some of the philosophy she's pulled together. It's like Charlotte Mason, but seeing the best in unschooling and strewing, and also this Thomas Jefferson education, which she doesn't talk about, but she totally embodies in a lot of the stuff she does. So that's kind of me. We're very similar. Brave Writer for most people, they go and they look at and they say, I'm completely overwhelmed. A lot of people say, I could never do that because I, I need just an open and go curriculum. Ah, are you seeing your kids in you? Because just pay attention to that for a minute. When you look at something and you say, I can't do that because it's not open and go because it doesn't lay it all out for me because it's too difficult because I have to read and I have to research and I have to understand the program and I just can't do it. Okay, so basically you're overwhelmed. Basically, you want a program that holds your hand and walks you through how to be a homeschool mom. That's not a wrong thing. That's not a bad thing. That's a normal thing. It's because you have very little time to spend educating yourself on stuff. It's because you're overwhelmed by the number of options that are out there and you need something simplified for you. Those are those all make sense. I'm not judging that. But I'm saying pay attention to the parallels here because that is your child's. They're overwhelmed. They're overwhelmed by everything expected of them. And it's not that they need necessarily help as much as they need someone to hold their hand and say, you can do this and this is how. Next, you're going to do this. They need someone to step-by-step it for them. And I don't care if your child is four or your child is 13, they're still going to need that at different points and some kids more than others. But if you're dealing with overwhelm, Go alongside them and don't do it with this instruction now, you know, okay, you have to do this. Do it as their partner. Do it as their peer. Do it as like this mentorship role rather than you're the educator. They're the student. Instead, do it as this. You can do this. This is fun. Oh, I love this. Okay, now we're going to do it. When they see that model, they'll catch up with your enthusiasm and it's going to make it so much easier for them. All right, next, take ownership. Okay, so... One of the things when we're dealing with our kids, and I'm here talking about a little bit older, I'm talking about like the upper elementary grades, you're probably going to get to a point where when you are feeling like your child is like super overwhelmed or doesn't want to do it or just has a bad attitude, sometimes what they need is they need to start making it their own. Because when you are just telling them to do something, especially the older they get, kids just rebel. They rebel against authority and more so against their parents. That's when parents start to say, my kids would do better in school because they listen better to somebody else than they do to me. Well, duh because they're trying to put on a good outside appearance. Okay, I understand that, and I'm going on a tangent for a second here, because listen closely. If that's you, if you've said that, if you feel that way, then listen closely, because do you think that that is better? That your kid is going to go and put on a face in order to get approval from somebody else and spend 12 years of their life being someone they're not for the approval of their friends and their teachers and to be liked? Or, while it's difficult for them to battle you and to rise up against you and to rebel and to talk back and all the different things you're going to deal with through the teenage years and everything else, but at least they're being who they are. They're not putting on a face. They don't have to pretend for 12 years every day for the sake of their friends or their teacher to like them. They get to be 
who they are. They get to develop who they are. They don't have to waste all that time pretending. Instead, they're actually identifying. So this is why homeschool kids, if you're wondering some of the benefits, this is why homeschool kids often have more identity and more confidence in who they are. Why? Because they have wasted way less time putting on the mask and they've been able to really identify who they are because they have the space to be themselves and to grow and develop at their own rate, to find their passions and their interests. So I encourage you in that. First of all, while that's totally natural and normal and we all think that at some time, think about that from that perspective because sometimes that perspective shift makes a really big difference. But what happens is that our kids, when they're rebelling from us, when they're kind of that pushback a little bit, when they they just don't want to hear their mom tell them what to do, then when we can shift that and say, fine, you don't want me to tell you what to do, then you can start taking more ownership of your own lessons. This is what I expect. This is what has to happen. Do you want to finish? Would you like to be a grade behind? Put this on them. Stop putting it on yourself and start putting it on them. If they're showing signs of that, then they're ready. I don't care if they're grade two. Say, would you like to finish your grade two book this year? Yes. Okay. So that means we need to do this many lessons every day or every week in order to get done. Okay. So, so if you want to do that, I mean, I'll support you. (laughs) You see where the shift comes in where it's not like, it's not you telling them anymore. It's like, well, what do you want? You want to finish this book? Well, Okay, how can I help you in this? And then you're saying to them, so so why don't we sit down and make some positive things, some some goals, and then say, if we get this goal done of doing all of this this week, then we're going to have that chocolate bar, or we're going to go out on a date, or we are going to play a family game, or have family movie night, or do this, or that, or whatever. Play with our friends. We're going to have people over for lunch Sunday after church, whatever. Or you can say, if we don't get this done, what do you think? Like, do you think we're going to be able to do a lot of those fun things, or... Or do you think you're going to be behind in your book? Do you think you're going to finish your book in time? And you can start to put it on them and let them start to regurgitate some of those things. Let them start to think about and process and see, oh, there's negative consequences if I don't do this. And what do I want? I want to finish this. I don't want to be behind. Therefore, instead of my mom telling me, I want to, I choose to. And so sometimes switching those gears makes a huge difference. I've decided that I am launching a new time management course for kids. Um, It's going to be called something like Total Time Makeover or something like that. Anyways, I've already created kind of the graphics and the description and everything else and am in the process of creating it right now. So that's going to be a one month course for kids. And I decided to make it a month because I want to walk kids through to a point where it's a habit. And we're going to be identifying as for kids of all ages, identifying little video clips and PDFs, identifying time wasters. So getting them to identify time wasters in their own lives. And so they're going to start to see the things like, wow, okay, iPad is a time waster. When I do this, it's a time waster. Do I want to spend all day doing school? No. So how can I be more efficient with my time? They're going to identify those time wasters. They're going to start to create goals. I'm going to walk them through step-by-step step all the different things. And I'm going to teach them how to make their own planner, even just in that little spiral notebook or dollar store notebook. And I'm going to say, okay, and we're going to sit down and we're going to plan out what we want to do. We're going to create those goals. We're going to have consequences and we're going to have positive things to look forward to and goals and rewards. And because even for us, it's like, okay, if I get this done, I'm going to go have a bath. I'm not saying we have to give our kids candy or money, but I'm saying when they start to identify, what do I want to do? Okay. I want to play Minecraft. Okay. Well, mom said I can play Minecraft if I do this. So that's going to be my reward. I'm going to try to get all my stuff done in the morning because I hate it when I do school all day long. They're going to start to take ownership over their day and over their time. So that's another thing. Stay tuned for, you can go check it out. 
I'll, there's no links yet because the course is not live. I'm in the process of creating it. But there's information that will be in today's podcast episode as well as a sign-up form for the newsletter if you would like to be notified when that goes live. So you can go check that out on uh, homeschoolon.com under today's podcast episode. Um, all right, so taking ownership, time management, um, creating rewards and consequences. And then the other thing, you guys, is making time for their passions and their interests. I mean, even for myself, when I look at a day that's mundane, that's the same things I always do, great, I get to make dinner and I get to clean the house and I get to, you know, work and I get to, it's all the same stuff that I normally do. There's nothing in that day that I look forward to. I start to have a bad attitude. I start to not want to do stuff. I start to waste time partly because it's a mountain in front of me and it's a mountain of stuff I don't want to do. When I can think in my head, what am I passionate about? What am I interested in? I want this new book. I want to read it. I want to do planning today. I want to do art. I want to play my violin. I want to play piano. I want to worship, whatever. I think of things I'm passionate about, things that fill me, things that excite me. And then I look forward to those things and I can use those in my day and make sure, because I've noticed for myself that I don't have to do those things all day long. I just need to have a bit of that. And when I have a bit of that, my day is so much more light and filled with joy. And it's the same for your kids. So finding their passions and their interests and utilizing those in their school as much as possible is going to pull them back to you. It's going to pull them back to that lesson. It's going to make it more interesting and engaging for them again. So there's lots of little things, you guys. I have created an entire post about this and I have put in there like like idea after idea after idea after idea. I'm, I'm talking like super practical. Try a timer. Try this. Try that to help you come up with strategies that might work for your child. It's called um, homeschooling the uncooperative child. So that link is also going to be, it's on homeschoolon.com. Click on podcast at the top. You'll see this episode number 42. Click on that and then you're going to see that link there. Okay. So any of the links that I've talked about today. So go and check that out because that is going to help you with way more practical ideas and strategies. We talked about some stuff today and I've already gone way over, so I'm going to end it, but you can go and read a whole lot more there and just write down stuff and try some different strategies. If you have strategies that have worked for you, please come over and share them on that post because other people will read that. And it's encouraging when it's not just me, it's other people, things that have worked, things that haven't worked. So come on over and chime in on that. Otherwise, you guys, I hope that you have an amazing, amazing, amazing week this week. I hope that you start to identify some of these walls that you're coming up against and find practical solutions to move around them, to actually make progress because we all want to make progress. I hope that it was encouraging to you. If you like what you heard, I would love to hear a review or for you to subscribe to my podcast so you get these automatically in your whatever iTunes or Stitcher, whatever you're using. And if if you have any questions that you want answered here on this podcast, email me at Rebecca at homeschoolon.com because I love taking your questions and answering them. So I'm going to start doing more and more of that. So if you have a specific question that you want me to talk about here on my podcast, then just shoot me an email and I will add it to my schedule. So we'll talk to you guys later and have an amazing homeschool week.